nothing like it. I just praise him every day and thank him. Very unusual for me to be around here like this, talking to someone. Praise God. A couple of years ago, I had a heart attack. They thought maybe I might have to have open heart surgery or micro valve work on something like that, you know. So I got a hold of Catherine Kuhlman's book. Says, You believe in miracles? I didn't, I believe in going to church, things like that, but I didn't know God like I did. Praise God. So a little later, I found out about these trips to California. Reverend Andrews here, wonderful man, Patty, Bill Edwards, my wife also. She's the big one behind me, outside of the door. And uh, so we went over to a trip to California. We learned quite a bit. But then in Phoenix, in May last year, I don't know, I was sitting there and all of a sudden someone came up and says, you have a heart condition. I said, yes. So you come with me. Between she and my wife, they got me up on the stage there, Catherine Kuhlman, and I was the first one there. Praise God. I don't know, all of a sudden there I was lying on the floor. <laughs> I don't know. So we went out there and God, I don't know what happened. But ever since then, between the Reverend, my wife, myself, praising the Lord, it's been wonderful. Last week I went to the doctor and I checked up. He told me, he says, well, you get along fine, come back next year. So, if you believe in the Lord, whatever you believe, if you pray and believe you have, you shall have it. Thank you, Jesus. I think we've got a quote a little fun here for just a minute. Uh, mild amateur minister accepted the calls of the church in a time where many of the church members bred horses and sometimes raced them. After a few weeks, he was asked to invite the prayers of the congregation for a Mary Hill. Well, willingly and gladly, he did this for three weeks. And then on the fourth Sunday, one of the deacons told him that prayers for Mary Hill no longer needed. The good minister asked, why was an anxious look? Is she dead? Oh, no, replied the deacon. She won the conducting derby last week. <laughs> Someone down town uh, just made a crack at me and said, uh, How's Reverend Phil Mason going? <laughs> well, I kind of laughed and I said that uh, that's quite a title to hang on to me after the guy that's only been saved for years. But you know, as I thought about it, uh, I started to feel kind of good about it because told me that maybe some of my witnessing had reached a few years. And it's, it's funny because when I got saved, you know, I was going to be one of those who witnessed only by example. I said, you know, you know, if they see something different, you want to praise the Lord. But you know, then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> this was shortly after getting saved. He changed all that. Because when I had that wonderful experience, it gave me a boldness to testify to Jesus Christ. And this is something I did not believe was possible. I did not think that I would ever be that bold. But knowing you love the Lord, He does so many wonderful things for you. You want to tell people about it. Uh, you know, Jesus told His disciples in Acts 1, 8, but he shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and he shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem.
Judea and in Samaria and under the other most part of the earth. Of course, this isn't Judea or Samaria, but one of the utmost parts of the earth is precious. But I believe I received the same Holy Ghost that he's talking about. And uh, as I look back over my life, it wasn't until this very last year that I began to know spiritual Christians. And these were the first Christians outside of pastors, of course, that were willing to talk about the love of Jesus in their lives. You know, the last commandment of Jesus was, Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I believe that all Christians have that responsibility. And if you and I will just continue to witness to the unsaved, I think we'll be amazed how many people have never had someone do that. I'm talking about blaming who would actually come to them and tell them about the joy and the love and the happiness that Jesus Christ can give you if you just ask him into your heart. And you know, they can give you arguments about doctrine and creed, but they can't argue with an experience that you had yourself. So please, let's tell everybody about Jesus. Uh, I had the great pleasure of meeting our first speaker tonight almost a year ago. At a Bible study in a prayer group in Phoenix until on Friday nights. There were about 35 people there at that time, and I understand now that around about 100. Not denominational, just spiritual Christians who come in to study the Word and experience God's wonderful power. Um, later, I made a weekend trip to the Captain Coleman Healing Services and lost.
It doesn't take any particular program or ability or personality, but all it takes is an obedient heart and a willing mind to let the Holy Spirit control and to do what he wants to do. And when you let the Holy Spirit move, God's going to touch the hearts and the lives of people, and there'll be a great and a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. It may not be, uh, if you pardon the expression, according to oil in the church world. It may be different than what people think it should be. They might not understand, and most likely they usually don't. But it doesn't matter to me whether you understand or not, as long as souls are being saved, lives are being touched, and bodies are being healed in the delivering power of the Holy Spirit, is manifest among the church of God, that's all that's important. Hallelujah. You know, I've heard so often, different individuals have said, well, so-and-so has a, a, a pastoral ministry, and this is an evangelistic ministry, and this one has a different type of a ministry, so you, you just have to do the type of ministry that you have. That's true. I know that God gives different ministries to different individuals, but I also know every one of those ministries can be a supernatural ministry. Hallelujah. And God doesn't need any certain administrative ability to be able to build a church. All he needs is the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And when we let the Spirit of the Lord move, God will do that marvelous work among the children of God. And I'm glad for what he's accomplished, aren't you? I feel his presence here tonight. Let's sing that chorus just before we open the word. He brought me in from the field of sin. With a hand of mercy, he brought me in. Just look out yonder where I have been. Oh, I praise God. He brought me in. I want you to just rejoice. Let's just rejoice for what the Lord has done here in this church in these last few months together. It's already been just about two years. And you know, you're going to move over to your new building pretty quick here. And I believe it'll be a whole new dimension when you get over there. Amen? I'll bring you into something different. Hallelujah. And it's just going to be continuing on until Jesus comes. That's going to be very far away. He might get here today. Hallelujah. Amen. I look forward to today and he hasn't made it yet. So if he does it, I'll look forward to tomorrow then. Amen. Hallelujah. But he might get here the more we finish. You know, today will be over at 12 o'clock tonight. Hallelujah. And if we all went together, we'd be glorious, wouldn't it? Amen. Lord, if we do, I would ask the Lord to give me a head start. <laughs> Amen. Because it's going to go awful fast. Bible says in the twinkling of an eye. So I need that head start because the twinkling of an eye is going to go real fast. And this has always been on my heart and my mind. You know, I love the ministry of the gospel and we go into different churches and to be in different parts of the country, I've always said, now, Lord, at least when you come, give me a head start of chest so I can go by and grab my family and take them with me. I want to go up with them. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm looking for the coming of the Lord. Aren't you? Praise the name of the Lord. And we'll all have a glorious time together. Let's sing that chorus and sing it to the Lord with all your heart. He brought me in. He brought me in. Thank you. 
telling that you're glad. Oh, yeah. It's something you'll never forget when you see the blessed presence of the Holy Spirit, what He's done in our hearts and in our lives. I want you to turn with me. Matthew 15th chapter and the 14th verse. I don't want you to think that I'm in the habit of doing this. It just happened to turn out that way, but let's read from the 13th verse. <laughs> Hallelujah. Matthew, the 15th chapter and the 13th verse. <coughs> but he answered and he said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word. Father, we thank you for your word. For we know the only good thing that we have comes from God. In every life, every Christian, every plant, which our Heavenly Father hath not planted, shall not develop, it shall not grow anyway, we know this. They be nothing but blind leaders of the blind. Only that which God brought into a good life shall prosper for the Lord. Now we pray that you'll speak to the hearts of the lives of these your people, and may the words be fruitful and receptive to them. And we'll give you praise and we'll give you thanks for this. We ask it in the name of the Lord. Amen. I felt impressed of the Holy Spirit tonight to talk on this subject for just a few moments of leadership. Because it seems as though that when we give our hearts and our lives to Jesus, there's always a desire somewhere along the way, sometime or another, there seems to be a desire to be a leader. A lot of times these things will come even before a person gives their heart to the Lord. Because I believe that everybody has a desire to be a leader in some way or another. Do you believe that? It's just a human nature. It's a human part of us to want to be a leader or to be out in front and to direct and to lead individuals in some way. Some people have a desire to be a social leader. There are others that have desires to be political leaders, financial leaders, others religious leaders. And there's all kinds of desires from the hearts of God's people to lead in some way or another. Now before I say anything else, I want you to realize tonight that I fully realize that leadership is important. We need leadership, I understand this. But God tells us in His Word that when leadership may call us many times when God's not even in it. <coughs> Often we feel a desire to be a leader when God is not directing us in that way. I found in my own life that often when leadership calls me the most is when the old ego wants to be recognized. And, and the rest of you just missed a good place to say amen. Yeah. I'm being honest with you tonight. I'm telling you how it is with me. That many times when leadership calls me, it's because the old man, the old ego, wants to be on the front and he wants to be seen. I have found that, that more often this is true in the lives of many individuals. Not because of a genuine desire to be a help or to be a real fulfillment of a need in the life of an individual, but just because of the old ego that wants to be recognized by the life of that individual. And I want you to realize that God is trying to teach us this lesson tonight. That we can see full well that leadership without the direction of the Holy Spirit as a policy, it'll never work. And it'll never accomplish anything for Jesus. Do you believe that? Amen. It isn't by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and by the directions of God, we might as well forget it. Christ looked in the days that he was here, and he came to cause men to follow and to, to seek his face. He came to get men to propagate the gospel and to go forth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It is one thing I noticed about the ministry of Jesus. He came in a humble way, and he was to be our example. He didn't start a large corporation. He didn't have a big organization of any kind. But he only picked out a few men that he felt that he could trust. And he brought those men the things of God and delivered it unto them. And he said, Now go ye into all the world and tell men with it of the very thing that I'm giving you. Now Jesus didn't come looking for leaders, church. You might as well know that. He come looking for fathers. Hallelujah. He come looking for men and women that would follow the directions of the Holy Spirit. The Bible does speak of leaders, but what it does is usually speaking with a bad connection. Talks about them here in this 15th chapter that we read here, and the 14th verse, he'd let them alone. They'd be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, they're both going to fall in the ditch. I've seen whole congregations that were sitting in the ditch because the blind man was leading them. Amen. Because they were looking for leadership rather than the delivering power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to break the yoke and to bring forth liberty in their lives. God is looking for followers. God is looking for men that will lay that old ego aside, that will put themselves secondary and let the Holy Spirit lead them and will follow God. Hallelujah. Instead of trying to be the Almighty and the leader themselves. The world today is drawing up leadership programs, leadership development programs, and let's teach our young people to be leaders and teach them how to lead, and yet nobody in the world seems to know where we're going. Come on, how are you going to draw up a, a, a leadership program if they don't know where they're going themselves? That's what's wrong. Everybody trying to lead everybody. These people that have trouble, they go to the psychologist, he's got more trouble than that. He's got them stretched out on a cot trying to answer all their problems and underneath he's so hung up himself he can't answer it because he doesn't know where he's going. That's the truth. If you're going to get an answer, it's going to have to be from the Spirit of God who knows the needs of mankind. Hallelujah. Leadership development programs will never do it. Drawing up plans to train people to be leaders. These things are not going to cause people to know. They're just blind leaders of the blind. The truth is that Christ did not come seeking leaders, but Christ came seeking followers. He came himself as a servant. I like that. You know, he didn't come to be a big leader. He didn't say that I'm the God of the universe and you have to bow down to me. But he said, listen, he said, I didn't come here to be served, but I came to serve. Hallelujah. And he got his disciples together there, and he began to wash their feet and to minister to them. And old Peter, he felt so guilty because he knew this was the Christ. He knew it was the Messiah. He said, oh, Lord, he said, you can't wash my feet. Well, I said, I'm just a rotten, humble old man. I don't have any good thing at all. He said, I'm not worthy that you should wash my feet. No, he said, you can't wash my feet. Jesus said, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you can have no part with me. Peter said, oh, give me a bath. Hallelujah. <laughs> Wash me off. I want everything. Jesus didn't come down here to be a great leader, but Jesus came as a servant to all men. Hallelujah. Showing me today that God was not looking for leaders, but followers. Hallelujah. Who would follow the directions of the Holy Spirit and be a servant and a minister unto the people of the world today to tell them of the love and the glorious power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe that tonight? So then if I am a servant of God and if I am a Christian and I belong to God and I want to his children and God's servant, Now, a lot of times we get the wrong terminology and the wrong meaning out of the right terminology. We hear somebody talk about a servant of God and we picture a great individual with great authority and with great power whom everybody wants to be around and lives in exciting life. But a servant is one that waits upon. Amen. So that if I'm a Christian, that means that I'm a servant, and I have to wait upon God, I have to take orders, I have to do what He tells me to do, I have to go where He tells me to go, and live in the way that He commands me to live. But the old man doesn't like that. Hallelujah. At least mine doesn't. 
Maybe you're different. Because the old man, he wants to be seen. He wants to be a leader. He wants to be the big shot. He wants to be so high. I'll tell you what causes it. Is that man is small and he's little and he doesn't like it. That's the whole thing, right? He's a little individual, he doesn't like it. I remember when I was working for the bank. And there was a little fellow there. He was one of the uh, of the leaders, if we could use that terminology, uh, of the group that we were working for in the bank. And he was a little bitty fellow, must not have been hardly five feet tall, just a little bitty guy. And he'd strut in there like a peacock every morning. Shoulders back, his head high, and he'd walk real fast. And when you'd speak to him and say, good morning, he said, good morning. <laughs> I'd say, hi, on time, how are you? And I just couldn't understand. Then we had another fellow that worked there who was almost seven feet tall. Great, big, burly fellow. And I talked to him. He talked so soft in a whisper. And I went up to him one day and I said, why is it that that little old guy shouts around here so much? I said, every time he goes to say a word, he shouts. Every time he goes to say something, he opens his mouth and blurts out. I said, don't he know how to talk softly? He said, well, I'll tell you why he does it. I said, what? Is it because he's little? You know, I thought that's the truth. He's little. He doesn't like it. And he feels a cognizant because he's a small man, so he puts on the big boy. You know, that's just the way people are. Now, I think it's good sometimes that we can just stop and look at ourselves and see what we really are. Amen. You take a little fellow that lives in a home and his parents continually knock him down, tell him how small he is and no good and he's never going to accomplish anything, he's not worth anything, he's no good. Pretty soon he grows up with that complex, believing in himself. And so in many times, in other areas, he'll try to put on a superior attitude to show that he's not that way simply because of the complex that's been built in his life when he was young. See, man is a little individual and he doesn't like that and he tries to put on a big act when it isn't there. You see, Paul said, when I'm small, then I'm great. Hallelujah. And when I'm going through things that are trying me, he said, sometimes I'm bigger than I am when I'm trying to put on this big old front. Hallelujah. Man is small. He's just a little individual. And if a man is yielded to God, he's able to accept that and realize that he's nothing. All that needs men today that will be themselves and that will live their life just as God will have to do instead of putting on this big front and showing the individual in such a big way. God doesn't need that kind of an individual. He needs a man that will be just exactly who he is and realize that he's nothing but a little fellow. I was thinking of, of a service that Catherine Koopman was having in Los Angeles. Maybe some of you have, have met this man, I don't know, but there was a doctor that was led to the Lord over there, a great physician. He studied in, in Israel, and he happened to come out to that service one night, and he'd never been into one of these services before, and he'd heard about the healing power of God, but he didn't really believe it. And so when he came in and they were all having this service, people were being healed and delivered, and here was Demas Sicarian, the leader of the full gospel businessmen, and this man was down on his knees and was praying. And while he was praying, all of a sudden he began to speak in the unknown tongue, at least it was the unknown tongue of Sicarian. But the tongue that he was speaking in was a, an Aramaic language from Israel that is almost dead. Very, very few people even know that language anymore. But this doctor, being a Jew and living over there, had known the language, and he was kneeling beside this man. And here was Demas Shekinah, a man that had been very successful, a millionaire as far as the eyes of man at that time. And he was down upon his knees, and he was praying, and all of a sudden he started praying in this Aramaic language. And the very words that he was speaking of, he was saying, I'm such a little man. I'm such a small man. I have no good thing in me. I'm just a wretch. It's God that's transformed my life. I'm such a little man. And that doctor testified. He said, I heard that man there, a millionaire. A man that had a right to be proud as far as we're concerned. A man that could, looking through the eyes of the flesh, could say, look what I've done, what I've accomplished. See what I've done. He said, here he was, praying in almost an unknown language, saying, I'm a little man. And he said, that startled me so much. He said, I stopped it. He said, brother, he said, where did you learn the Aramaic language? 
Brother Shakir said, well, I don't know any Aramaic language. He said, why, you do know it. He said, I don't know any language like that. He said, I want to tell you, you were speaking in perfect Aramaic. And he told him what he was saying. And he said, well, believe me, brother. He said, I don't know one word of it. And when that man saw the sincerity of his heart and knew that he was telling the truth, and knew that that man was humbled and humiliated before God, he fell down upon his face and gave his heart and his life to Jesus. God, because of a humble individual that was willing to see how little we are. Oh, if man could crucify, that's what Paul was talking about when he said, I die. Sin that there is. I believe that. I, I don't believe it's one of the great. I believe that pride is about the greatest sin that there is. There's no place for pride among the children of God. Pride made the devil what he is today. Did you know that? It wasn't because he was a, a filthy uh, leader or anything of that nature, but it was because of pride. Some people say, my, I wouldn't do all these terrible bad things, but yet we'll build pride into our children. Teach them to be proud because they see the example of what we are at home. I'm better than other people, you know. And you missed another good place to say amen. Hallelujah. Pride is the greatest sin of all. The devil said, I'm going to send into heaven. I'm going to be like the most high. I will exalt myself above the stars of God. You know, there are two things. And I say this as of the Lord right now. I found that there, are, that there are two things that the ministry has to fight more than anything else in all the world. Church, ministry, everybody else involved. And that is pride, number one. Pride would be number one. It also... Money. Money can keep people from God. <coughs> people put such a value on that little dollar. They're afraid to put something for God or to turn loose of it or to let this thing go to their head. Those two things are the two biggest drawbacks in all the world to God's servants. Pride would be number one. Pride made the devil what he is. Milton said it was better for him to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. Now I believe that. The devil would rather be a leader. He'd rather reign in hell. He'd rather be the big shot down below than to be a servant of God up above because his pride wanted to be exalted. His ego wanted to be fed. He wanted to be the one that was seen and recognized by all the rules of heaven. Amen. And when Satan tempted Adam and Eve, he came with that exact same thing. He came with that very same thing, the thing that made him fall, the thing that cast him out of the presence of God, the thing that caused him to be what he was, was the very thing that caused man to fall. He came to man after God had already spoken to him and said, you can have anything in this garden, but don't you dare touch the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. That's the only part. They can have everything else. But you see, man, he wants his own way. He, he wants to take what he wants, even when God says no. And the devil came to him, he said, he said that, go ahead and eat of that tree. And the woman said, the devil said, why, we can't because the Lord said, in the day that we eat of that tree, that we shall surely die. But the devil said, thou shalt not surely die. For he said, the Lord knoweth that in the hour that ye eat of that tree, ye shall be as God. Come on. Do this and believe it. He knows that when you eat of that tree, you're going to understand like God. You're going to be big like God. You're going to be a God yourself. You'll be a great leader. You understand and know all the things that God knows himself. Now, he said, all you have to do is just take of that tree and you'll be like God himself. Come on, do this now and you'll be a leader. And the idea appealed to man and man partook of the forbidden fruit and he sinned and he fell aside and ever since man has been falling aside from the very same thing wanting to be a high and mighty leader in himself. I'll tell you once God got ready to do something with me he had to show me that I wasn't anybody. Hallelujah. And I couldn't do anything for God until I was fully aware of that fact in my own heart, in my life. I stepped out, oh yes, and I pastored, and I did like all the rest of them did, and I went along just fine, as long as old John Metzger was in need. But when the Lord got ready to kick me out of the nest, he got me down a few pegs and said, now look, here's the one that's boxing, you better do what he tells you to do. Amen. 
Because it's not by anything you'll ever do. It's not by man, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man likes to be independent. He has that only independent spirit about him. But I want to tell you something. When you give your heart to God, there's no place for independence. Because you're not independent anymore. Paul said, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. When you see me living, you don't see me. You're seeing Christ living because Christ is living again through me. Therefore, I can't be independent because it's not my life. I'm dead. It's Jesus' life. Come on. I can't make up my decisions and say, I'll go when I want to go and go where I want to go and do what I want to do because I'm the one that controls this life. I'm the big shot. When I gave my life to God, I no longer became the big shot. I turned that rule over to God and not him to tell me what to do. That's why so many people get into trouble because they'll never yield themselves to God. And you mark my word, church, that's one of the greatest sins in all the Bible, in being afraid and unwilling to yield your spirit to God. And you may go that way for a while, but it won't last long. You may go on for a little while. I've seen people that try to serve God that way. They may go on for a few months. They may go on for a few years. But invariably, because of the fact that they're not willing to yield all to God, and because they're not turn all to Jesus Christ, they fall by the wayside, and they lose what they have. They never stand. Jesus said in that scripture that we read, but he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father had not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. If it isn't God, in complete yieldness, submission unto the Spirit of the Lord, where God can take control and lead and guide and direct us into the place that God would have us to be, we'll never stand. It just can't be. There's no other way. I've gone through it. Brother Mitchell's gone through it. Everybody that ever did anything for God's gone through it. We've learned that it has to be a complete submission, a crucifying, a sacrificing, a putting the old man out of the way, and then constantly he'll keep creeping up, trying to put his ugly head up in front, but you have to push that thing and put it down and say, I know it's God. Hallelujah. Nothing in myself. Nothing in myself. <coughs> C.S. Lewis was right when he said, the more pride we have, the more other people's preferences. Here was something about that. The more pride we have, the more pride other people's pride hurts us. You know, I've watched that. I've watched that. You know, there's nobody that can spot a proud person any faster than a proud person. You know that? They'll see somebody that likes to put on a big show and a big front. Man, they can spot him just like that. Amen. Does Charlie bother you when he tries to be the center of attention keeps you from being it? Come on. Hallelujah. Christ sent the devil to hell. And it's going to send a lot of people there also if we don't learn to turn this uh, over to God in our life. Brother, it's not the things that we have, but it's what Jesus has. Hallelujah. That old superior feeling is always easily recognized by a proud individual. Did you ever feel superior to somebody because you had a different color of skin? Think about it. Did you ever feel superior to somebody because of an of a, of a income bracket that you might be in? Did you ever feel that maybe you didn't like to be around other individuals because of the way you dress and the culture that you've been raised up in and all the things that you have? It's getting quiet in here, but it's true. <laughs> when you start thinking about it, it makes us wonder, and we know that if we begin to look deep down inside ourselves, that we find that old thing has come up and it has happened. And it's because we've not been willing to admit it that we've never gotten victory over it. We keep that thing there and feeding it and pampering it and working with it all the time saying, well, I know that's just the way I am and I just have to keep it down. And instead of really submitting ourselves completely, opening ourselves up and laying ourselves before the Lord and saying, God, here I am. I'm a wretch. I'm not worth anything. But if you can do anything with it, here, have, have a try. Amen? Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. I'll tell you, that's what I have to do to God. What God spoke to my heart, there was such a hunger that came inside me. <coughs> you know, I used to think John Messer was a pretty good fellow. Hallelujah. Anything that I didn't know wasn't worth knowing. And anything that I couldn't do couldn't be done. I, I used to be so... In fact, I, I had been... 
bold enough to say I could do anything anybody else could do. And the only reason you didn't say amen because you said the same thing. It's true. I was so proud. Oh my, I could do anything. You said, well, you can't. I know I can do things through Jesus now. But I found out God had to show me that through myself, when old John Lester tries to do it, it never works. I'll tell you, I, I started fasting every time I prayed for somebody, they died. Yeah. I'm telling you the truth. Takes a big man to admit that. I pray for them, they either get sicker or they die, one or the other, and nothing seemed to happen right because I'm trying to do it. And I remember one time I just got so perplexed, I got so upset, I couldn't understand what was happening. And I prayed, I said, God, why is this? I remember the first miracle that God ever gave me in my ministry. I was pastoring a little church down in Colorado, and I was down seeking the Lord, and I said, Lord, I don't understand this. I said, I, I can't understand why when we pray for people, they never get better. They never get it. Nothing happens. I'm so disturbed about it. And that's one of the problems. Most people don't get disturbed. They just make excuses for it. Yeah. Well, you know, they didn't believe, and they didn't do this, and they didn't do that, and they go around blaming everybody else instead of getting out of business and doing something in their own life. Now, I got serious before God. God said, if you just trust in me and get yourself out of the way, he said, I'll prove to you that I'm real and that I can heal the sick and cause great and mighty miracles to happen in my name. You know, I got up and I went home that day and I just got home. My wife told me, she said, a lady called and she said, there's a man down in the trailer park or in a, in a motel and, and she called and wanted we prayed for the sick. And I told her, why, sure. And she said, they give me the, the name here, and uh, they just moved into the city, and they're staying in a motel. they got to find the man got a job. He hasn't got a place to stay, and now he's gotten so sick that he's about to lose his job, but they don't know what's going to happen. They're, they're just scared to death. They don't have any money. And she said, I have a name here, and everything. She says, you better go see him. And right away, I thought, oh, here we go again. I don't want to pray for that man because you'll probably die too. And then I remembered the promise God gave me. God said, submit yourself, get yourself out of the way. I got in the car and I said, Lord, I crucified this old man. And I'm going to get him out of the way right now. And I said, I'm going to believe you for a miracle. Hallelujah. And I drove down to that place and here was this guy. He was in bed and the doctor was down there. And the doctor said, maybe you can do something with this fellow. He said, if he don't go to the hospital, he's going to die. He's been in bed for over three days. He said, I, four days. He said, I don't know what's wrong with him. He's paralyzed. All the way from his shoulders down to his feet. He was running a fever where he was burning up. He looked like he was half dead as it was. His, his body had gotten so thin that it was hollow and, and, and it was terrible. And the doctor said the man's been laying in that bed for four days. He's going to die if he don't get out of here. And he said he won't go because he don't think he has any money. And, and he said maybe somebody talked to him. His wife was standing over there. She was scared after that. And so I remember I walked over to that man. And I was scared too. And I laid my hands on him and I prayed. I said, now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to touch this man, heal his body. You know, before I got the prayer out of my mouth, the power of God hit that man from the top of his head right, right on down to the soul of Jesus. And he let out a yell that scared me half out of my senses. And I jumped here back to the door because I didn't know what was happening. I've never seen anything like that before. And he literally jumped clean up out of the bed. He fell on his feet and started jumping and running around that room. He grabbed this little six-month-old baby whom he hadn't held for a long time, and he picked that baby up and started running back and forth the room, praising and trying to find the name of Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, I got so excited, I thought, praise God, it's time for me to go out now. <laughs> Amen. Then that old pride started to come up in another way. God had to knock it down again. And I remember when we were in California, how the Lord began to speak to me. God put a hunger in my heart that I had never felt before in all of my life. And I've told you before how the Lord spoke to me, get alone for a period of a month and seek Him and fast and pray and, 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 and submit myself to God. And I want you to know in that time something happened that I have never experienced before or I'll never experience again that literally changed the course of my life and sent it in an entirely different direction. And learning to submit the old man and that will over to God. Hallelujah. Turning ourselves. That's what it's all about. That old pride that's within us will destroy us, church. Criticism hurts you. Hallelujah. The reason.
reason why it does is because of that old pride that's inside. And, and the reason why Charlie bothers us is because he, he he's causing somebody else to see him instead of us. All that same old thing. You know something, Richard? I discovered something. We're wearing a giant-sized mask. That's right. A giant-sized mask of make-believe exterior that we put on the outside. It's just like here underneath is the real John Messler, but old John doesn't want everybody to see the real John Messler, so he hangs uh, uh, the John Messler that he wants to be on the outside. Hallelujah. And we all do it. And we need to see it and, and take that thing out of the way. We put that old man, that old, old, old person out there so everybody will see him and say, Here he comes! Underneath, you know what kind of person you are. Your family knows what kind of person you are. God knows what kind of person you are, but you know what anybody else knows. It's a make-believe exterior, a giant and that thing is bigger than you and I were meant to carry, church. If you don't take it off and get it out, pretty soon you'll have a hernia in your soul. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> God wants you to show yourself as you are. Hallelujah. And to let men and women see you. Oh, that we can open ourselves. That's the beauty of salvation. That's what these kids have. Hallelujah. Come on. Some people say, well, I don't like the way they look or the way they dress. Well, I don't care what you like. At least they're showing what they are. Come on. Hallelujah. And this is what God is looking for, is men and women that will magnify themselves as they are. That the Spirit of the Lord can take that thing. It's so beautiful when you see different personalities, and then God takes that personality and develops it to its ultimate. You see, one man has a different personality than, than I do. Brother Mitchell's got one, I've got a different one, you've got another one, somebody else got another one. Now, I don't mean that yours is better, mine's better, his is better. doesn't mean that at all. It just means that each one's different, and God can make a whole new ministry over each personality. <coughs> but as long as you've got that old Ichabod hanging out there <laughs> that you want to be, that's not you. Amen. That's not you. That's just what you think. Looks right to man. You know, we always get it. We always get it. We think that looks so good, but really don't look good at all. It's distracting. Have <laughs> you ever seen a young girl that's not else that just impressed her and so she wants to be like them? Not the way they do. Something else and she comes out looking like something that just got scared out of an alley. <laughs> Amen. All the time she thinks she's beautiful. Oh man, I look like that star I saw on TV. But she doesn't see what other people see. That mask that we carry on the outside, people see what we're projecting, but they don't see the true you. And the true you is a lot more beautiful than what you got hanging out there. Hallelujah. Praise God. I've seen people, and I prayed, and I said, Oh God, help me to let that individual show themselves. Because I can see down underneath that man, I can see a, a, a genuine, <coughs> loving, kind individual. But he, he or she or whoever they may be doesn't allow that to show because he's got that old make-believe exterior hanging out there, you see. And all they see is that old proud slob. Come on. What underneath is a real, pure, strong individual if they just get that mask off and let God develop them. Amen. That's what it's all about. He's spreading the man, the self over to God. This thing is too big for us. We need to turn it over to Jesus. And we need to realize that we're not big, but we're little. How can we look up to God if we're always looking down on people? You ever think about that? We want to look up to God, but all we do is looking down on this one. I don't like that. I don't like this. And I don't like that. Why did they do this? And I wouldn't do that. Well, if you wouldn't do it, don't do it then. Just go on and do what you would do. Amen. 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 And if you do what you would do and look up to Jesus and let God fill your life, maybe you'll bless them. They'll start doing right too. Amen. Come on. The lady came to me one time and said, Oh, Brother Mister, I'm so glad you're in our church. And I said, Well, thank you. It's nice to be one. Amen. Amen. Like a criminal that got arrested. <laughs> He came and walked in, he'd been, he'd been wanted all over the country, walked right in the police department, gave himself up. 
and the police they were puzzled him, you know. And he had one of his wanted posters in his hand. And they said, sir, they said, what made you come down here and turn yourself in like that? He said, well, he said, I'm going to tell you the truth. He said, I, I, I've been in a home where nobody wanted me. They didn't care for me. Nobody, they kicked me out. I was a little kid. I'd be running all the time. He said, when I saw that poster hanging on the telephone pole, said, wanted. He said, it felt so good to be wanted, I just had to come in. <laughs> lady she said I'm so glad you're here and I thought well praise the Lord because I, I, I want to be wanted like everybody else amen? amen and she said we're so glad because we need the gifts of the spirit in our church we just thank God for you we need the gifts here and, and our pastor needs this too I said oh your pastor doesn't believe in the gifts she said oh well, I suppose he believes in them but she said he don't do them and I said well what do you mean I said is he against them oh no 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 I said does he stop you she said well of course not but we need it. I said, well, what in the world are you waiting for then? Amen. Why stand there pointing your finger at the pastor? If the gift should be in the church, you're in the church. If he doesn't stop you, why don't you let God manifest through you? Maybe you'll start something that'll stir him. Now you're getting quiet on me now. You say, that's not the way it's supposed to be because he's our leader. Remember what I told you. God's not looking for leaders. He's looking for followers. Followers, men and women that will obey the moving of the Spirit of God and that will speak under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And when God speaks to them, He will do exactly what God said. If we're always looking down on other people, we can never see above. If we're always looking down. <coughs> I remember when I was a little boy at home. My sister bought me a telescope and I used to love that thing more than anything I'd ever had. I'd sit in the window and I'd look out, I'd look in the neighbor's window, I'd look across the street. I'd watch people driving down the road. It wasn't a very powerful thing, but it, it just, I was only about 11 years old, and it just really, I, I enjoyed that telescope. But I noticed something very simple. If I took the small end the way I was supposed to and put it to my own eye and looked out, it brought everything in real close. But if I turned around, and did it my way instead of the way the thing was made to operate and put the big end to myself, it made everything look far away. And you know that's what a lot of Christians are doing? Instead of doing like God said and put the little side to ourselves and realize that we're just small individuals, when you begin to realize that and look small and act small because you are small and let God be big in your life, it'll draw everything right in. Hallelujah. It'll draw the power of God, deliverance. People that need God, those that need the power of God in their life, will be drawn to you. But when you put the big into yourself, the big eye, I'm such a, you, you, you're, just, you're just blessed because I'm here. <laughs> Come on. Boy, I'll tell you if there's anything that gets under my skin and rumbles my fur, it's that. When somebody thinks they're so wonderful that you just blessed have me. When you do that, everybody else looks far away. You're just not quite up to my part. I'm a genius, you know. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 I think we ought to be able to find an old bum down on the railroad track and throw our arms around him and say, Brother, you need Jesus. And honestly, deep down inside our heart, not feel any superiority toward that man or any other man on the face of the earth. We're little individuals. And when we put the little into ourselves, the Spirit of God and the power of the Lord begins to work. Just like God said, hallelujah. It will function if we'll do it the way God wants us to do it. Hallelujah. The only way that we become big is to become little and let Christ be big through us. Then you become a big man. Hallelujah. I like that. And you know, I've learned the secret to serving God. If you want something bad enough, give it away. That's the way you get it. Give it away. God said, give, and it shall be given. If you need money, give it away. Sounds funny, doesn't it? But it works. You need, you need to be blessed by that. You give it to the God and see what happens. Preacher come to me and he said, man, he said, how come God blesses you? He said, I know so many evangelists almost drop clean off the people. <coughs> and he said, you sales still seem to keep on going. He said, what is your secret? And he said, the reason they can't go is because they don't make enough money. I said, well, I don't make a lot of money, but I said, I give it away and God brings it in somewhere else. Come on. 
brings it in somewhere else. You know, we talked about that meeting in Mexico. And I knew, I, in fact, I, I, I knew this. I said it before I left. We went over there. I knew financially this was going to be disastrous. I knew that. But I knew God was dealing with me to go over there. Hallelujah. I knew God was dealing with me to go. And so I had to go even though I knew it was going to be a problem. And my wife and I both discussed the matter. We thought, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But we went ahead anyway. And in the, in the course of five weeks, we had the total sum of $32 come in. Hallelujah. <laughs> I may have paid your bills for five weeks on $32. <laughs> and you know, I, I went on and I just kept saying, what? I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe you. And we gave it away. Hallelujah. You know, I, I gave him money. One man, he was going to put the broadcast on the radio. And he wanted some money, so I gave him some money to put on the radio. And so he, he, he took the money and went down to the radio broadcast. And he come back and he had an interpreter with him. He couldn't speak in English. He said, oh, brother, he said, I'm so ashamed. And I said, what's wrong? Well, he said, I took the money <laughs> to go to the radio. But he said, we can't broadcast it. They won't let it. And he said, he said on the way to the broadcast, his car, she had a flat. <laughs> and he said, he had to get that fixed. And then he went farther, and this happened. And he said, I'm so ashamed I had to spend the money. Hallelujah for the advertising. I said, well, Brother Gold, that's all right. Just praise the Lord anyway. And you know, everything seemed like it just all went out. And we thought, now what's going to happen? We came back, and during that time, there was no money, but you know, one loan. man called me. He said, come on over, I got something for you. And I said, what have you got? He said, come on over and find out. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, he wrote me out a personal check for $100 and another one for $300. I'll tell you, he didn't know what was going on the inside, but I did. <laughs> I went home that night. I was so excited, and a phone call came from Missouri, all the way from Missouri. Some people said, brother, you're in a financial difficulty, aren't you? And I said, yes. They said, well, God spoke to us, and they said, we got a check in the mail for $224. It'll be there tomorrow. Hallelujah! It's God! Another check came for $100, and every bill was paid. Hallelujah! Brother, if you want something for God, give it away! If you want love, give it away. He'll come back to you. If you want hate, give it away. You'll get it back. Amen! We get what we give. Praise the name of the Lord. And if we're willing to submit this old man and turn over the top, what a move of God we're going to have. The way that we become big, if you want to be a big shot, the only way it's ever going to be is to first be a little shot and then let God get big inside of you. Hallelujah. And then people are going to see you. Hallelujah. It's big in Christ. We're small, but he's great. Turn your life over to God. Maybe you say, Lord, I can't honestly say I want to do this. And I've had people tell me that. Brother, I want to live for God, but I can't honestly say I want or I'm willing to turn my life over to God. I, I, I want to, but I don't think I can. How many have ever heard that? How many have ever said it? And you know you want more power with God, and you want to give yourself to the Lord, and you need more from the Lord, but you don't know if you can really do this, and if this is not actually, I've had people come to me and say, I don't have that burning desire you're talking about, that hunger to just give everything to God and just be submissive. I don't have that. But I'll tell you what you can do, and God will honor Get down and say, Lord, I want to want you more. I don't want you more right now. But I want to want you more than anything else in this world. I want to serve you more. I want to want the things of God. I want to submit myself. And God will take you at your word and pretty soon you'll find that old desire diminishing and a new desire taking its place. And then you can act on that desire and go forth to do a mighty work in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you take this attitude, you won't want Christ uh, to see that old individual of you, you want to crucify him and let God work through your life. Hallelujah. Don't think that you have to get rid of all these other things first. Because you can't do it anyway. <coughs> Just turn yourself right? I may not be any good, and I'm not, but take me and do with me what you will. Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh, if we could only see what would transpire when women and women 
turn their eyes over to God in this way. Come to God with all your problems. Come to God with all your weaknesses. Come to God with all your hang-ups. Come to God with everything that you've got. Lean upon the altar and say, Lord, I'm weak and little, but you're big. Hallelujah. Crucify me. Come and live within me that Christ may be big through me. God wants you like you are. There's so many people that have tried to tell me, brother, I'd like to live for God, but I'm too bad. <laughs> There's some of the rottenest old apples in this church right now that's been made all over here. It wasn't because you were good that God saved you, but it was because you gave God what you were, and He took you just like you were. That's what God wants tonight, is a submissive heart. Not a leader, not a man that's strong, that's able to overcome himself. Because if he does, then he'll boast around and say, look what I did. See, I can overcome it. But a man that's little and knows he's little and knows he's defeated, he says, I could not do a thing. It was God. God did it all in my life. I'm a weak little individual. But God made me big. Oh, you have <laughs> Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the word. Speak it deep to our hearts and our lives that we may feel the conviction and the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray right now that we're pausing, that your Spirit will open up your floodlight from heaven. Shine it down upon us, Lord, that we may see ourselves as we are. That we may see what other people see. That we may see that old man tries to be so big. That we may turn ourselves completely over to the submissiveness of the Lord. While we're praying, we're pausing here for a moment. There's a number of you here tonight that don't know Jesus as your Savior. You're lost. And there's no hope for you outside of Christ. And it's no accident that you're in this church tonight, but the Lord has drawn you here. The Lord's brought you here. He's purposed this thing. Nobody's looking around right now. We're all 